Back in Nebraska. But what happened? What happened is that I I found out that there are two sides to the world. There's this and then there's a deep well of darkness, a pit. And when I was dying in that well, I saw both of them. And I was tempted. The wheel turns. The struggle continues, and the command is always the same. And what command is that? Be true. Stand. I'm Rima. And I'm Ben. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the CBS All Access miniseries, The Stand. This week we are covering episode 9, Coda, The Circle Closes, another AKA Franny in the Well. And they changed the names of the episode on us again, Rima. I know, they changed it. I was so confused when I looked this up and it said The Circle Closes. I was like, wait a minute, is there another episode? I thought this was it. Um, I. Yeah, yeah, they changed it again. They changed us on it again. And I wonder why uh, they they're, they were doing that. I didn't read anything as to why they were doing that. I mean, it's fine, but I I think it, it was some confusion. I think it was purely to confuse you and I. I think so. I think there's I mean, a plot out there. Mm-hmm. They knew we were going to be podcasting on this series, so they were like, "How can we mess with them?" I know. Let's change the names of the episodes. Yeah. Well, and for a long time, it was just called Coda. Like, yeah, I don't, I Coda. It, and I thought, it oh, wasn't it's in, called Coda. It, it wasn't until, what, like halfway through the series that they said Franny and the Well. Mm-hmm. And then they air the series and we're like, oh, no, we're going to change it again. The circle closes. Yeah. It's almost oh, as if they heard a line from the episode and so we're like, oh, no, wait, that works better. Let's I mean, it's a, it's appropriate when you watch this episode and it's a line in the show. You know, it's always kind of fun when they throw the actual um, name of the title of the show um, somewhere in in the show. Um, Franny says it. Yeah. Um, so, no, and I, I think, think it's appropriate. I think Stu says it first, doesn't he? He says it and then um, Franny repeats it. Oh, I just remember Franny saying it. Maybe you're right. You could be I right. Think- I think Stu says it to her first while they're lying in bed, and then she looks up and at him after a... And she says it again? After what appeared to be a night of coitus. Yes. Um, and, yeah, and she, I, I just like that word, coitus. Um, <laughs> that you do, yeah. It's, uh, and, yeah, she, and then she looks up and she repeats it back to Stu. 
Okay, you're so. you're probably right. Okay, so but either way, it was said. Somebody yes. said it. Um, so yeah, it's always kind of interesting when they do that. But yeah, I think think it was kind of interesting that they kept changing some of these on us and adding them at the last minute. But hey, whatever. Uh, here we are. Um, which I guess this is considered the finale. I know I kind of inadvertently called the last episode the finale, and I guess this was considered the finale. Um, but I wasn't quite sure what to expect out of this one because. You know, this was kind of a, a wrap-up that Stephen King wrote himself, which was pretty cool. I was excited to see, you know, something new uh, from the man himself. So, and I know you and I were just talking before we started recording here about how we wanted to format this one. Like, we went ahead and we did our top three because that's what we've been doing um, throughout the series. But then you and I talked about um, how both of us have a lack of notes. Like, we were really <laughs> yeah. afraid about you know, how we were going to handle handle this and do we have enough of a top three to talk about and should we just have a general discussion about the coda and what happened during this episode or should we go ahead and pull the trigger and do our top three with even if they're kind of lacking? I made the decision. Um, so if this fails, then it's on me um, to, <laughs> that we're going to do our top three. So just putting that out there. Um, so I don't know. I think we're gonna have enough to talk about. We always say that we haven't, we don't have a lot of notes, and we end up talking two hours. I think we're gonna be okay. True. So, but if this we'll, doesn't do we'll okay, see. it's on yeah. me. <laughs> we'll we'll see this time. This is the first time. Every other time you've said that, or we've I've I've said like I don't have a lot of notes, and then we end up talking for two hours. Or you'll be like, well, be careful what you say because we're gonna end up talking for two hours. <laughs> and I'm always like, yeah, you're probably right. This is the first time where I'm looking at my notes or lack thereof, thinking we're not going to have a lot to talk about. And you're coming back and saying, well, we could still talk for two hours that I'm like, no, I really don't see that happening this time. <laughs> we don't. Well, it's fine if we don't talk two hours. I don't like to have a time frame on any of our episodes. The fact that we went two hours for so many episodes, you know, is not something we typically do a, a lot here. But we just we had a lot to say about the series. And if we don't have two hours worth of material that's okay. Our listeners will probably thank us. <laughs> I I think it's a safe bet to that we don't to, a safe bet and indication that we don't have a lot of notes that mm-hmm. um we're initially we're actually stretching right now. We're like 5 minutes into the podcast already and we haven't even gone over our we overall haven't. thoughts. On we haven't. The we haven't. Well, you're we're right. And and this is probably how we go it. 2 hours because I'm I always find something to kind of jabber about a little bit. So, yeah, that's totally on me. I'm always going off topic, but that's a good point. We're so, stretching so talking, much. <laughs> talking about the coda. Um, so, okay, this was something all new. So this was not... This was kind of cool, though, because this was not... None of this was in the book. So No, there's a lot that's actually still in the book. There I've, might be... I'd, is there? I did my I okay. did my research on the episode. There's actually quite a bit of this is actually still in the book. I mean, I feel like there were hints of things that were in the book. Yes, but to to see the ending, I guess stretched out. I guess and to, for this character, for Franny to get her her ending that was missed mm-hmm. in, yeah, in that the was, book. That was I guess I guess that that's missed. more what I meant. I, I know that there. I think there are some parts that were still true to the book, but for this character to be able to get this part, that that was not in the book. Yeah, I mean, from, from what I read, um, you know, in regards to what was in the book, what wasn't, what is mm-hmm. actually part of the, the additional written, the new written material by Stephen King, 
Uh, the decision by Franny and Stu to move to Maine is in the book. Um, uh, and the the ending, the very, very end with mm-hmm. Randall Flagg is in the book. Right. Uh, but yes. it is, it's the middle part with Franny that is the additional content for this episode. Right. And that's yeah. the bulk of what I meant. I, I, okay. I misspoke a little bit that none of, I, I didn't mean none of this. I just meant like the, the bulk of, and the purpose of this this coda was for Stephen King to give Franny um, her stand against Randall Flagg. So, yes. um, so this so it was kind of fun to kind of cover. It's something that was uncharted territory for many people, since this wasn't, um, or at least Franny's end of the story here was not in the books. It was kind of interesting um, to to watch this. What what did you think of the episode? Oh boy! All right. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, some thoughts. <laughs> before before I say anything, again, I have to reiterate, I don't read any feedback beforehand. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know how audience feels about this okay. episode. Right. Uh, so people, in when we get the feedback, people could be against me or not. Uh, I was kind of disappointed. Okay. I was, I was kind of disappointed in this episode. I feel... That after what we got last week, because again, last week I was on the fence. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of our discussion, I leaned into the positive and I really liked the episode by the end of our discussion. Mm -hmm. This week, I wasn't even on the fence. I was kind of like, no, I'm really, I, to be honest with you, there were parts where I was confused and other parts I was kind of bored. Okay. Um, I felt like. This episode, the way it felt to me is that had there been a second season mm-hmm. of The Stand, this could have been a season premiere of The Stand rather than a season finale. Okay. It just had such a different feel from the rest of the season that I just kind of, it kind of fell flat to me. Don't get me wrong. I liked I liked the fact that we that Franny was given a stand of her own. I did mm-hmm. enjoy that, and I do appreciate that. But there's just a bunch of different things that I felt like the story's been told already. I kind of I'm not interested anymore. If that makes sense, it does. It does. So, what about you? How, what were your feelings on the episode overall? I mean, overall, I think that I'm I'm. Not quite split, like 50-50. I'm not on the fence. I think I'm leaning more towards that I liked it than what I didn't. Um, so, uh, yeah, I know a lot of people really didn't care that much for it. And that I can see, though, and I appreciate the opinions where folks felt either it wasn't needed or uh, it, it didn't need to be told or it fell flat or they were bored. I, I see that. Um, for me, there were parts I thought I like. I thought they probably could have told some of this in like thirty minutes versus and was, an and, hour. And, and you know, that's actually what my thought on it was too. Like, I felt like rather than take a whole fifty minutes to tell this story, mm-hmm. I felt like you could have taken the forty-five minutes or fifty minutes we got last week and tacked on an extra twenty to twenty-five minutes to make an extended finale, like an epilogue. Yes. To make to make it an extended finale mm-hmm. and finish the story out, yeah. I didn't feel like it needed a fifty minutes to tell what we got. Yeah, maybe that's where the disappointment I have in the episode comes from. Is that it was 
I mean, and that's one of the things that we've we've kind of agreed with on on this series is that one of the things it's suffered from is issues with pacing. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it went too fast, and then other times it just came almost to a screeching halt. But then mm-hmm. there were times where they got the pacing pretty much spot on. Right. You know, they. but it seems like the times they got it spot on were few and far between where they they suffered with pacing throughout. And I think this is just another instance where it, it was stretched out way way too long to me yeah like i i feel like it could have been condensed down and like you said put on like an epilogue of last week's episode or even do you know we see lots of shows walking dead for example will sometimes one of their finales will be like an hour and a half you know it'll be like a special you know episode for the finale they've got extra stuff that they need to tell it's not enough for a whole new episode and in an you know, an episode all on its own, but we've got some extra things that we want to tell or a little bit of an epilogue. And I think of epilogue, think of like an epilogue in a book that it's always kind of satisfactory to see that when you turn the page and you're like, oh, we get a little bit more, you know, that this would have been fun had they faded to black at the end of last week's episode and then went into this story and it been like a maybe an hour and a half and and they they told this story because I think it could have been done in a shorter version. I think that's that's probably I'm I'm thinking maybe and I don't want to speak for everyone. Maybe that's where some of it, you know, where some people might have had a problem with it is that you know they could have told it in a shorter amount of time. Yeah, that's my thinking. No, I, and I agree with that completely. I think you know, like you said, had this been treated more like an epilogue rather than a complete episode coda. I, I maybe could have appreciated it a little bit more mm-hmm. and 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 enjoyed it a little bit more. But for the most part, I, I, I was kind of a disappointment for me. Okay, that's okay. So, well, I'm going to ask you again when we're done recording, and if my see. opinion changes, <laughs> if your opinion changes, <laughs> mm, I don't know if it's going to, but it's we'll o- see. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Um, but I'll be. I'll just be curious to know anyway. So. All right, so we talked about that we're going to go ahead and stick with our top three um, for this format, and we're, we're you know however long it goes, we're just going to do it. So <laughs> le- le- let's let's hear your number three, even if it's just right. one line. What you got? <laughs> so my number three is something that it's a particular moment in this episode that the moment it happened, I was like, yeah. That's going in my top three. Like, there's no question. <laughs> it's in my top three. Okay. I could have even made it my number one, um, but I I didn't. I'm making it my number three just so you can't steal it from me at some point before I get to my number one. Okay. Uh, there's a particular moment when Stu and Franny are leaving uh, Boulder, the Boulder Free Zone. Mm-hmm. Um, the highlight God help him is Tom Cullen in that moment. Let me tell you, watching that episode the first time, because I did, I watched it twice. Mm-hmm. So as I always do, watching the episode for the first time, I was kind of indifferent. I'm like, okay, Stu and Tom are just happened to be there. We completely miss their journey back to Boulder, which was kind of a disappointment. And then they make the sudden realization to 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 leave Boulder which hopefully we'll get into a little bit later. But, you know, going back to my point, when they're all saying goodbye to each other, the moment that Tom is saying goodbye to Franny and Mm. starts crying, 
Good, I started crying. I know. The moment he, like, it was instantaneous. The moment Tom started crying, I started crying with him. Like, I, we've, we've praised him throughout this entire series. Brad William Henke as Tom Cullen, to me, is the highlight of this series. He's he done a fabulous really job. Yeah. I and wish, wish we'd gotten more. Really wish me too. we'd gotten more. Um, but yeah, my my number three is just that, and it would like I said, with the moment he started crying, I felt that yeah, so hard I did too. that I instantly started crying, and then even in my rewatch, I'm like, I'm not gonna cry, I'm not gonna cry, I'm not gonna cry, <laughs> and then he starts crying, I'm like, damn it, I'm crying again. It's like, happening what again. Is this? Well, I think when he hugged Franny, but then I think what really hit me though was when. Uh, him and Stu, when he gave that great big old bear hug to Stu and kind of lifts him up off the ground. And and you know that they've, I, I, I think it's fair to say that they had a pretty good bond before they went to New Vegas. But then clearly after, after, you know, Vegas blows up and, you know, Stu's broke his leg, Tom stumbles upon him. We missed that whole journey, which was so unfortunate. I mean, I don't think we had to see all of it, but it would have been nice to see a little bit of their journey back. Uh, but clearly, they probably went through some shit um, to get that, back to back to Boulder. So clearly, they had a stronger bond. So when they hugged and were saying goodbye, that one hit me pretty hard. And I feel, and I was the same way. And I feel like that would have—I mean, it already hit hard to begin with. Mm-hmm. But I feel like had we gotten their journey home, because they really do bond even more on that journey back. Yeah, that that moment would have hit probably even harder than him and Franny saying goodbye to each other. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so like it was, man. When he told him he loved him, he's like, "Love you, man." He's like, "Love you." I was like, "Oh no!" I'm getting chills just (laughs) thinking about that scene again right now as we're talking about it. Yeah, that was really good. That that scene is just like I said. Even the second time watching it, I'm like, "I'm not gonna cry. I'm not gonna cry." And I cried. It just it hit me, and Mm -hmm. I and I loved it. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's nice. And and really one of the shortcomings, and we've talked about it before, is just a little bit of lack of development with some of the characters. You know, we didn't get a lot from Nick, and I think we really missed a lot from Tom. We got a little bit there in the end when he was in Vegas, and we really got to see a little bit more of him. But it would have been really nice to to, to see a little bit more from him and maybe a few other characters, too. Um, he mm-hmm. really did a great job with that role. This uh, is so, so good. It'll be interesting to see what he does next. But yeah, really great. And definitely heartfelt. Def- definitely a lot of emotion. And you could feel that emotion. I felt it. Even though we even though we didn't get that journey with him and Stu. Even though we didn't get a lot of, you know, once they came back, you know, um, get to see a lot of that interaction. There was still emotion there. So yeah, that, I think absolutely. that says something. Absolutely. Says something that even though we didn't have some of that, that we still still got emotional. That's great. So what about you? You're number three. My number three. I'm just. I just want to jump right into it and and talk about the road trip, you know, and the. I guess the reason for it, and I guess what I'm gathering from it is, you know, I I really liked, and I don't have this whole dialogue out, and I'm certainly not going to try and remember it or even paraphrase it, but you know, we open with like this letter that sounds like it's you know Franny's uh, letter to um, her child, and as she's you know talking you know she's talking about you know that captain Tripp should have been like this reset you know on society and 
you know, and we've talked about this before. I think we've talked about it, you know, many episodes earlier, you know, kind of in the beginning. And, you know, what should we do if like if something like that happened, if, you know, that amount of people are just gone and there's only this tiny little percentage of the population back, what do you do? Do you I mean, do we rebuild Um or do you just be like, oh, screw this. I'm just going to stick to myself, kind of like what Glenn was doing, you know, and, yeah. and keeping to himself, you know. Um, you know, there's there's that whole question there. And, it, you know, and you can kind of see now that time has passed and, the, and um, all the people there in Boulder, it kind of sounds like things are kind of going back to the way they were before Captain Trips. And, you know, it, the, the town's getting loud. People are starting to get locked up in jail for like drunk and disorderly, you know, some small things. But how how quickly does it escalate? You know, I think that we know how, you know, yeah, it might seem pretty minor now, but can really become kind of a big deal. And it seems like Franny's just wanting to get away from some of that and kind of get back home, um, you know, and even if it's just temporary, you know, I don't I don't know if they'll ever get back. I mean, they said they're going to come back, but, you know, how long will they stay in Maine before they come back? Um, so I think it, I, I really like the questions that it kind of brings up. I I like the questions, but it really it, it really drove a bigger question to me. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, I have that. I, I have that whole thing that she read in the beginning, if you want to hear it. Sure. I mean, I can... I, I have the transcript sitting right in front of me, so I can I can read it exactly verbatim if you want me to. Yeah, go right ahead. Uh, it says, I wish I could tell you every story has a happy ending. Truth is, most, most stories don't end at all. Not really. Feels like every day we're making progress, but the question is where are we headed and how much further do we have to go before we get there? How long before we go from rebuilding back to just living again? And how long after that before this place goes back to being just like before? Sometimes it feels like Captain Trips was like flipping a breaker switch. Everything new, everything's new, a chance to do it all different. But every day I wonder, will we? Will we do anything different this time? Can we even? Are we capable? Which brings me to you. When you got here, you were perfect. Seven pounds, six ounces of everything I never knew I always wanted. Everyone broke out the liquor, just about all the booze we'd been hoarding. Raised in a toast to you to the future you promised. It was a hell of a party. And then, with the baby coughing, uh, Dr. Wen and I tried telling each other it was probably just croup or something, even regular flu, anything but that. But then your neck, sta- your neck started to swell, and as, soon it was, it was, and as soon it was clear you had trips, we all asked ourselves the question. 7.3 billion people caught Captain Trips. 7.3 billion people died. Not one person recovered. There was no hope. How could we let you suffer? I hate the notion ever crossed my mind but it feels important to tell you that it did but there was just no way i just couldn't i know glenn would say it was selfish to let you keep suffering to spare my conscience maybe he'd be right i don't know no one had ever heard of someone improving once they caught trips every everyone we'd seen or heard about just got worse and worse until they died even when i knew we had you back i couldn't shake the image there you were surrounded by all those empty cribs of course they won't stay empty Jen and Tyler's baby, uh, Jen and Tyler Curtis's baby was just 10 weeks behind you. He came early, but he never got trips. First baby born to two immune parents. So far, so good. Maybe there's hope for us. God, I wish you could meet Stu. Uh, people keep 
Uh, people keep trying to get me to send scouts to Vegas, see if they can find out what happened to our people to flag what made those lights in the sky. I keep saying, no, it's too dangerous. We can't spare the manpower. Is it possible? I just don't want to know the answer. I mean, how long do I wait before I accept that he must be dead? And how long until I stop dreaming about him? And that was the opening of the episode. That so. was really good. I um, can feel the king in those words. <laughs> and and I did it no justice whatsoever. Um, yeah, because even in that moment, like not knowing what's about to happen, like not knowing what this new coda was and what would be different, whether it be, would be different from the book, not that we had anything to compare it to anyway, mm-hmm. not having read it. But, you know, not having known it, there was that instinct, even like as that progressed further into that monologue in the beginning, when the moment the baby coughs, like there was a a, kind of a lump in my throat at that point. I was like, oh, shit, like, is this baby going to survive? I know. I thought, oh, my gosh, they're going to kill a baby. (laughs) Yeah, like, they're going to go there. Like, is this going to be a tragic coda for Franny? Like, are they, is she going to lose the baby? Mm -hmm. Because in the 94 version, the baby survives. Right. Um, You know, and in the book, the baby survives. But this is a new coda. So who knows what is going to happen at this point? Exactly. Yeah. So there was a part of me that questioned, like, okay, is he going to kill a baby? (sighs) So Stephen King has done far more questionable things for sure. So. Uh, I, I I I thought I thought it wouldn't surprise me if he does go there, but he didn't. Baby does survive, um, and so yeah, it looks like the the baby has at least some form of immunity um, against Captain Trips. Like it, it caught it and survived, and then the other baby, the second baby that was born there in the community, didn't catch it at all. So that's good. That's progression. Yeah. Um, you know, this whole episode was was definitely about Franny and, you know, her story. Because, and, and I mean, we've talked about, and I know I've talked about endlessly, about how so many of these female characters in this story got short-shrifted, uh, you know, because we, well, it didn't have the time. You know, it's it's like a thousand plus pages, and there is no way to really do it justice in a series like this. You know, you're just not going to get it all, and you're just not going to get some of the nuances that you have in a book into a series uh, because you know there are things that happen in a book. You're in people's heads. You know, there's all these thoughts and all these things and, that are happening that you can't capture in a series. I mean, the same thing happened like with Game of Thrones, right? You know, you had the books, the source material. And, and I'm not going to go too deep into it. I don't want to hear any, you know, discriminants, whatever <laughs> people think about Game of Thrones and how it ended. But my my thought is, is that there were even, you know, before it got into later parts of the season, you know, there were still parts of Game of Thrones that was missing because you couldn't get in people's heads or you mm-hmm. had certain people's perspectives or viewpoints. And, you, you know, you can't live in a person's head when you're in a series. You only get that when you're in a book. So, you know, you're you're always in a little bit of a way, anytime you take something from a book and try to put it on screen, you're going to be missing some pieces and you just have to do the best that you can to try to fill that out and fill that gap. And, you know, uh, like it or leave at the stand, I think did a, you know, they, they did what they did here. But what was cool, I thought, because we didn't get a whole lot of Franny during this and she's supposed to be one of the major characters right i mean she's one of the you know five or was it five six i mean was in that committee um but you know that she's one of those lead characters and because she was pregnant she did not get to go to vegas 
and, you know, stand with, um, you know, the rest of her friends. And um, she she got left behind. So I like that they went there. I like that Stephen King gave her the story and, and kind of filled in the gaps of what he wanted to do years ago, but was kind of constrained under, you know, uh, whatever publishing, you know, um, you know, I, I don't know all the rules and rights of publishing. I think he said that he he was kind of forced to keep it under a certain amount and due to cost and things like that. He had to keep it, you know, uh, and cut things out. And now he's able to kind of finally tell that story. So I like that. And I mean, I don't know. Some people were I, I read were kind of like, you know, oh, well, it's the same old story. It's a story of temptation and this and that. And maybe. But for this story, I like that we got that. I like that, you know, she had this temptation from Flag. And I thought there were some really good parts in there because I still say Alexander Skarsgård killed the shit out of the character of Randall Flag, and thought he did a fantastic job. And I like that he didn't quite perish as we had kind of talked about we kind of predicted that you know um you know he it was hard to tell like did he really die in that blast or um <laughs> you know did he just like kind of you know disappear and reappear somewhere else what's um, funny what's funny about that is when we were talking last week about like did he disappear is he is he dead really dead mm-hmm. it is it, it the whole ending the last scene of this episode is in the book it is the ending of the book so it is right. like in front of that tribe. Mm-hmm. So every person listening to us last week, did he survive? Is he still alive? Who's read the book is probably internally screaming to themselves. Totally. No, he's not gone. <laughs> as they often Just do. Just wait it out. Yeah. <laughs> as they often do. Yeah. So um, as I watched this episode this week and I saw that final scene, I was like, oh God, we're going to hear it this week. Yeah. And that's okay. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm used to it by now. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, I mean, I like that we got this reincarnation of Flag because that's who he is and that's what he does. He, you know, even if he did get completely obliterated by that blast, he still is like reincarnated as himself and he just reinvents himself, you know, and and starts over until he can successfully, you know, do the same thing, like, you know, cause chaos and, you know, just... Whatever it is his goal is, I'm not sure if we ever really know what his goal is other than just to create all this chaos, but I like that. And then we got the reincarnation of Mother Abigail. I liked all that. I thought it was I thought it was kind of cool. And I like that, you know, we're going to see this or well, we're not going to see it, but we we're told anyway that, you know, we're kind of getting that ending to the story that because Franny was able to you know, uh, resist Flag's temptation of saving her, saving her baby, saving Stu, um, all by denying him a kiss, which I don't know that I would have been as strong <laughs> as what Franny was, because hello, um, you know, Alexander Skarsgård in the middle of a jungle must have been really humid because he wasn't wearing a shirt this time around. So, oh, God. yeah, so I don't know what that was about, but I wasn't mad about it. Um, but, you know, be, but because she was able to resist that temptation, she was rewarded. So she's going to get rewarded by having many children. Uh, those many children are going to have many grandchildren. And she's also going to be rewarded with a long life. She was told that she was going to be able to see most of them live. So well, I, I thought it was I thought it was kind of cool. 
No, I mean, I don't get me wrong. Again, I liked the fact that Franny did get a stand when she wasn't able to before. I mean, I'm in complete agreement with that. But I'm also kind of on the on board with the whole or not on board with rather because the way everything played out, it almost seems like they were making Stu and Franny the next Adam and Eve. Um, okay, they're, I see that. They're, they're off on their own. Mm-hmm. They're they're into Maine, and th- this is actually kind of going into my number two. So I'm just gonna go with it. Go yeah, go this. with it. Yeah. Because um, the biggest question I had to start with with this when they make the decision to move, I I get that. Like, look, there's there's 500 people in this town, at least 500 people in this town now, mm-hmm. because Stu says when the snow went, because obviously this is a little bit later after the events of New Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, more people even ended up coming to New Boulder even after New Vegas was gone. So there are still people, there are still survivors in this world that are coming together. So the whole, like, going to Maine to be on to be by themselves, like, I, I get you want to move from Boulder because you want a quieter environment. You don't want to be around, like, what's becoming the new big city environment. It's very loud. There's a lot of people. There, people are going to start cre- committing crimes. Mm-hmm. Do you have to go all the way back to Maine to do that, though? Like, you can't find another town somewhere in Colorado or a neighboring state to do that. I mean, it, all because you just want to see the Atlantic again. I, I find it almost a little irresponsible. And I know this is what they do in the book, too. And I would have felt the same exact way. Mm-hmm. You're two people. Neither one of you was a medical doctor. So, God forbid something happens to one of the two of you, either on the way or while you're there. You have no support. No support whatsoever. And, I mean, granted, they had some help with, you know, Randall Flagg making it happen. You know, he, he, you know, made the car tire go flat. He, you know, made Franny fall into the well. But even without his help, Anything like that could have happened. You know, there could have still been any time that you can, you know, some type of random accident where you fall and you break your leg or you fall and you get seriously injured or hurt. I mean, had had this happened without Randall Flagg's help, you know, Franny would have been screwed. She was seriously hurt. So, I mean, well, that's what I mean. You know, like, yeah, like I. I get the decision that you want to get out of Boulder and you want a little bit more quieter mm-hmm. area to go. But again, couldn't you just go to a neighboring town? Like she wanted to go, Franny wanted to go back to Maine because she wanted to see the Atlantic again and she wanted to be home. Well, the world has kind of changed. I felt like that was almost a little bit selfish of Franny to do that because again, you're moving somewhere where you have no support system now. So if, God forbid, anything happened to either you, God forbid anything happened to the baby and the baby got sick, yeah. you're now in an area where you have nobody to help you and it's nobody's fault but your own because you were the one that wanted to go there. I see that. So, yeah. Uh, you, you know, so I kind of I, I kind of didn't understand why they did that. And then going into my earlier point, too, about, you know, I, I was okay with Franny getting a stand, but I kind of wasn't on board with... Franny becoming Franny and Stu becoming the next Adam and Eve is that really necessary? Because well, there there are more there are many survivors there are still hundreds of survivors of this. The Earth can still repopulate without you having to pull on Adam and Eve. Because and I hate diving into religion here, but this is one of the issues. I apologize to anybody who's overly religious. 
I, I mean, if you think about Adam and Eve being the first male and female, it says it technically means that we're living in a very incestuous world. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what Mother Abigail was leading to as well, that Franny would have five children. From them would come 20 grandchildren. I mean, so you're almost saying that brothers and sisters are going to have children with themselves. Well, the, the only thing that I'm not sure about is it sounded like that this, like, they're planning on returning to Boulder. Like, it sounded like they just, it's like they needed a road trip. After everything that had happened, you know, they'd almost lost each other. They almost lost the baby. Um, they need to kind of get, they feel like they need to get away from Boulder a little bit. This sounded temporary to me. I don't feel like they were staying in Maine for any long term. Like, I felt like it was like a vacation. Like, they're going to go for like a month or two, maybe road trip back, see some other things, maybe find some more people along the way, more supplies, or, you know, just kind of find out what else is going on out there. And they're coming back to Boulder. And I would see them settling in a next town over, maybe not being in Boulder anymore. But I don't know. I, I, I see it a little bit differently. I know that we don't know that. I'm kind of speculating. But to me, it felt temporary. They, I felt they were going back to Boulder. See, I, I, di- I kind of disagree. And I, I kind of like the fact that we disagree because this is the first <laughs> time we've ever really disagreed yeah, throughout the end of this series. Yeah. Is I, I kind of felt like the way Franny was putting it to Stu that this was this was a permanent move. She needed to get away from Boulder. It, like okay. it wasn't say she didn't say let's get away for a while. Mm-hmm. She was telling Stu we need to go. So to me, it felt like a permanent thing. Okay. Um, that's just the way I I looked at it. Well, I and just... and I think that it maybe it could be left up to you know speculation. It's it's how you interpret it. So maybe I don't know that either one of us is right or wrong. Um, because it doesn't maybe, it yeah. doesn't clearly. I don't. I mean, unless I missed it, I don't feel it. it to me, it didn't clearly say that they were going to be gone permanently now will they be gone for a little while are they going to probably stay there and have maybe another kid or two or something which again pretty scary i mean you know they're already down like 99 percent of the population on earth i would be totally scared to not have any uh any anyone there who knew how to help me birth a baby you know, I, I, you know, in case something went wrong, you know, because you can still die in childbirth. You don't, it doesn't, yeah. you know, Captain Trips doesn't have to exist for, you know, women to not have the proper medical care to still, I mean, today with the best medical care, women still die in childbirth. So I would feel a lot better being in, in, in a, a place where there could be doctors or nurses that are available, you know, in, in a, a kind of a hospital setting that could either see to you or to see to your newborn baby in case something happens because there are still other risks out there and other illnesses and other sicknesses that you have to worry about and care that is needed, you know. So I would be a little bit nervous about it, but, you know, I could see them being there in Maine for a couple years, you know, chilling out you know, enjoying the environment, having a couple kids and then moving back. Um, That's that's how I took it. Even Franny says to Stu, we don't have to stay. We could come back. Mm -hmm. That sentence to me implies when you say we could come back instead of we will come back is she intended for this to be permanent. This is a permanent move for her. I I think if this was only temporary, she would have said we will come back. But even if this was only like a week-long vacation or a couple months-long vacation, when you have a newborn baby, 
I think it's still a little irresponsible to want to leave any support system that you have when there's barely any support left in the world to begin with. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think they felt it was worth the risk that she felt because she said, like she said, well, we we survived Captain Trips. We survived what ha- happened with Randall Flagg. This is nothing. So they see it as is it a risk? Yes. But one that they're willing to take. So maybe yeah. I I also kind of uh, this kind of also plays into my number two of, of irresponsibility and, and mm-hmm. questionable actions. Um, you said that. You know, you mentioned earlier that Randall Flagg was the one that popped the tire and caused Franny to fall in the well. Mm-hmm. I kind of disagree with that, too. Oh, okay. I think, <laughs> I think this was simply another moment where Randall Flagg seized on an opportunity. I think these were events that were occurring on their own, and he used the opportunity to his advantage. Maybe. Because, because Randall Flagg didn't force Franny to climb out on those boards to see if that fountain worked. He could have caused the boards to collapse, but he didn't cause her to climb out there. That was her choice. True. So for me, you have a newborn baby that's sitting on a porch. You have your husband or whoever, partner, off 10 miles away at a mart. You couldn't wait for Stu to come back before doing something like that. Like I, if I was by myself, there's no chance in hell I would have questioned boards to see if something worked. <laughs> I would have waited until someone came back. Yeah, I never would have went near that well. I grew up in the country. I stay away from that stuff. <laughs> so to me, that was just another irresponsible move. And I don't, I don't mean this to say that like Franny is an irresponsible person. I, I think. Because everything she goes through with Randall Flagg in her actual stand after she falls in the well, I actually enjoyed and I I think was rather well. Mm -hmm. I just think this was an irris. I just think these are two really big irresponsible actions that just or irresponsible decisions that just happen to coincide with each other and fall in this coda. That's possible. I, but I do think that he helped her along. I think he had something to do with the rat that was in the well that freaked her out and made her fall. Now, did he put her there? No. Um, did he take advantage of the situation like he did with Captain Trips? Probably. I could see that. I could definitely lean lean towards that. Yeah. You know, he's taking advantage of the situations um, and helping things along, like giving them a little bit of a nudge, you know, if you will. Um, so I could I could see that. Um, and that's what I mean. I think it's yeah. more he was capitalizing on the situation rather than he put these events into into motion. Right. But it's interesting the the place that they're in because you know we you know we haven't talked yet about the location of where they are. They're back in Nebraska, where you know Mother Abigail is originally from, which was missing originally in the beginning because we started out. They were telling. You know, Mother Abigail was telling everyone to go to Colorado because that's where she was. But in the book, she was in Nebraska. And then they went Mm. to Colorado later. Um, So we circle back to that and we kind of get get that piece that was kind of missing. And um, I mean, I guess what's going to happen, it it should happen here, which was lucky for Franny because Mother Abigail was there to heal her. Um, yeah, that was another confusing moment of this. Uh, it, it took me a little while to realize, like, oh, this is Mother Abigail just in a child's form that, you know, just happened to be able to heal her with these abilities. Like, I'm, 
that was another thing that kind of threw me mm-hmm. a little bit from this episode. But you mentioned the location of where this happened. And I don't know if it's something that you've seen before, but it kind of resembles very closely to 1922, which is a Stephen King adaptation on Netflix right now with Aaron Eckhart. Mm-hmm. Um, that well is very similar to the well in 1922. The corn stalks also the same. Um, 1922 also happens to take place in Hemingford Home, Nebraska. So uh, it was it was very similar to what we saw in 1922 as well. Wasn't that Thomas Jane? Thomas Jane, you're right. Sorry, not Aaron Eckhart. Okay. I get them confused because they're they look relatively similar. They do look fairly similar, but Thomas Jane can never forget him from um, Deep Blue Sea. So- <laughs> and Punisher. <laughs> And the Punisher, and, yes. And Punisher. You're right. It was it was Thomas Shane. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. Sorry. I was, I was like, oh, I don't... I, maybe I'm wrong. Um, okay. Well, I, you know what? I haven't seen that. That is one I wasn't sure about because it kind of got mixed reviews. And I I hadn't watched that one. So maybe I need to, to circle back on that and and check that out. So... It's, it's not bad. I... I I, I enjoyed it. It wasn't great. Worth, but, a, you know, worth a one watch yeah. anyway. It's it's worth a watch. I'll have to check it out. There's there's a lot I've missed because I I don't know. Sometimes I'm just like, well, if I, if it's not you know getting outstanding stuff, or if I'm not truly interested, then I, I'll hold off. But maybe it's time to uh, get back on that one. Um. So well, that was so that was my three, and then your uh, number two. We went into into Did, my number two. Is yeah. there anything else you want to say about your number two? No, I feel like I've pissed off enough people already. <laughs> I don't think you're pissing anyone off. I'm willing to bet <laughs> that there's probably a lot of people that feel the same way. I think I'm probably about the only person that didn't hate it. You know, like I said, I think, and I've talked about what I felt, you know, it could have done a little bit better, but I didn't, I didn't mind it so much. So um, again, I didn't, I didn't hate it. Yeah. I just, I, I questioned well, okay. a lot. No, that's okay. Well, that's that's why we're here. Talk about it, question it, and pick it apart. Um, well, my number two, um, I'm I'm just going to jump right into the end there, and you you touched on it, um, and that's hello Russell Faraday. <laughs> so we get this reincarnation, and I feel like this is what Flag continuously does throughout the series, and this makes me truly excited. Um, is he, you know, in that little nightmare dreamscape? you know, that he's in with Franny, he shows him this tribe that was completely untouched by society and completely untouched by Captain Trips. And he, I'm not clear as to why he had no clothes on, but had cowboy boots on. Um, (laughs) In the book, I read that he had, he was at least wearing jeans, jeans and boots. So, and he had clothes on when he was talking to Frank. Now he was without a shirt which was good. It was fine. Um, but I was unclear as to why he showed up nude with cowboy boots. I mean, I'm not mad about that either. Well, I'm just not I, clear I, as to why that, that he was. He was, clothed, he was clothed when talking to Franny because Franny was a vision. Yeah. Um, what we saw at the end was real life, was actual reality. So Did he get his clothes blown off in Vegas? And that's I'm, did his- <laughs> like I mean, he hey, just came out in his boots and <laughs> things vaporize in in nuclear blasts. So well, the boots held up. The boots, but held he disappeared. Up. But he also disappeared before the blast went off. I well, so I I mean I'm not clear on it. Did he really kind of die and then reincarnate 
because I feel like that that was kind of the thing here. Like Randall Flagg is like the representation of evil in our world. Mother Abigail is rep- representation of good, and they're always going to be there in some form or another. And um, so I'm I'm not sure if he if he was able to disappear prior to the blast or if he you know did explode because we saw the little did you see his little smiley face pin you know in the the rubble so uh. and that kind of goes back to my earlier point too about how this episode felt more like a season finale to a second season Mm -hmm. rather than or a season premiere to a second season rather than a finale because we see you know the pan through the rubble of New Vegas while the Billy Joel the Stranger is playing again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a revisit to that song where, you know, we get the close-up of the pin with the eyes as X's, the representing death, and then all of a sudden the smiley face comes back and it goes into the opening credits. To me, that's a perfect end note to a season finale. Yeah. Like, if that was the final moment of the season finale of this miniseries, that would have been like perfect to me because then it leaves an open open interpretation of okay what's what's going to happen now because Randall Flagg is still alive yeah or it's going to lead you to believe that Randall Flagg is still alive so you know there's actually a part of me that wonders if they did this because there's a thought in some producers minds that they might try and continue this story which I hope they don't. I don't. I, I hope that they don't. But I wouldn't be mad if they decided to do another adaptation. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm totally on board with having Alexander Skarsgård do like every interpretation of Randall Flagg or whatever his name, one of his many names in other um, adaptations. So I, I would be totally down for that. I, but I don't. I, I think as far as like the stand, this story is done. The story is told. I don't think they're going to yeah. try to do a season two of that. But it would be cool I to see not. another adaptation. Um, and maybe this lead into yes that adaptation because yes. I, from what I understand, and I, I I might be wrong on this. So I, if any listeners, if I'm wrong on this, I apologize. From what I understand, the events of the Dark Tower happen post the stand so i don't know i i read that in one article i don't know if that article is correct or not okay um but it, it would be interesting and honestly, to see I, i'm not may- sure so i can't speak on that either if maybe cbs did their own interpretation of the dark tower which if they did <sighs> please god make it like six seasons at least you know what i'm just gonna say no no to anybody yeah. touching the dark tower ever again just please for the love of god um i don't I just don't think anyone is ever going to get it right. I would just prefer let's just do some of the other books that he makes an appearance in. Let's 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 leave. Let's do the Eyes of the Dragon. Oh my god, would somebody please do Eyes of the Dragon already? But damn it, do, do it right. Do it yeah, right. Do it. Don't touch it I if you can't s- do it right. I want to see an Eyes of the Dragon interpretation, please. Oh my god. I would die. I would die. <laughs> um But anyway, so we get Randall Flagg, who, you know, makes his appearance to this uh, to this tribe, and they're clearly a little bit freaked out by some naked guy in boots walking up on their beach, and one person tries to, you know, take him out with an arrow, which was not a good idea, because then he then in turn, um, you know, with just a, f- a flick of his wrist, um, blows their head off, which brings back a lot of True Blood vibes. Again, I, I don't know if any of that stuff is ever on purpose because if Alexander Skarsgård 
um, his character in in True Blood, Eric Northman or not. But I swear, I, I, I was getting a lot of True Blood vibes. This the scene, and I don't want to give any spoilers. I know the show is has been um, uh, over for a little while, and but I know there still might be some people that haven't watched it. Uh, the scene with him and Franny uh, in the forest when he's wanting to kiss her um, in order to maybe just possess her from time to time, you know, and just kind of peek through her eyes. There is a scene very similar or like a, a little short storyline uh, in True Blood that's very similar to that. And then here in the end when he's blowing someone's head up and then is then in turn covered in blood. So they, they gave me one more scene with him covered in blood, which thank you. Um, yeah, I, I'm forever grateful. Um, and then he, when they start to fear him because of that, he then is able to levitate again, which we saw that seems like that's where he gets a lot of his power from. Um, and then he says, you know, my name is Russell Faraday. So he's dropped for now the Randall flag and has reinvented himself um, and, you know, ready to cause more chaos um, as we move forward. And it got me thinking some of his other names. Um, I have some of them here. Some of these are probably going to sound familiar to a lot of people. He also goes by Walter Paddock, Walter O'Dim, Martin Broadcloak, Bill Hinch, uh, Russell Faraday, Richard Fannin, Richard Fremantle, which is interesting. That was Abigail's, Abigail Fremantle was Mother Abigail's last name. Mm-hmm. Rudin Falero, the Covenant Man, Richard Fry, Richard Frank, Ramsey Forrest. And then he's got a couple nicknames. Um, the Walking Dude, which I was corrected. I thought last week I was like, oh, is that like a Walking Dead kind of reference when they said The Walking Dude? Um, nope, I was corrected by a listener. Um, thank you for that <laughs> correction. Um, he, he does actually, um, that is one of his nicknames, The Walking Dude, The Dark Man, The Hard Case, Ageless Stranger, and my f- favorite, The Man in Black. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a couple, couple of his names. Um, so it was super cool when he said, um, I'm Russell Faraday. I just, I squealed a little bit, got really excited. Um, <laughs> cause Hey, yeah, I like the man in black and like to follow a story. So I don't know. It'd be kind of cool to see if they try to do something else. I don't know if they will, or if it was just a fun little nod, um, or, you know, and that's how, or that's just, Hey, that's how the book ended. So that's how they're, how they're ending it. But it, it gave me a little spark of hope that they would try to do something else. And I thought it was super cool. I, I, yeah. I loved it. I love Alexander Skarsgård's interpretation. Um, and I was totally thrilled with it. I was I was very pleased with it, too. I thought he was I, I thought he was really I thought it was a great casting for the role. And I think he did a great job with it. Yeah. His hair so. looked really great, too. Um, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> um, all right. Oh, man. Number one. Um. My number one is actually Randall Flagg in this one. Okay. Um, well, what, but not not exactly to the degree of what you mentioned with the end, but it, it ties into that. Okay. Like, I I really enjoyed what they did bringing him back into this because one of the things I thought was most notable to me was when he is tempting Franny, you know, in that vision when he's tempting Franny, like, all I need is a kiss and to be able to pop in and see the view through, see the world through your eyes from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very simple offer, but for Franny to realize, okay, there's there's going to be more to this than what it is. I need to tempt, I need to deny this totally. and avoid this temptation. Like, great on Franny, and I really enjoyed that. But one of the things that was most notable to me is when they went in for the kiss and Franny bit him, he bled. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's something we saw him do this entire series because of the power that he had. Like, he was already established as this pretty powerful being that he had the ability to manipulate people and convince them of certain things and get them to join him so that they would worship him. This is a fresh start, Randall Flag. Like, he is... He he's at his he's at his least powerful at this point. Yeah, and he's using the power that he has to tempt Franny. Um, well, and I mean, we definitely don't understand what he is. There, according to Wikipedia, he is quasi immortal human. I so I mean maybe he does have the ability to bleed, and it's just coincidental that we haven't seen it. I mean, until this point, they always say if it bleeds, it can die. You know, you hear that in, in so many like horror movies and, you know, when there's something that you think is 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 completely unstoppable and they're like, well, if it bleeds, it can die. So is there some for maybe not uh, this nuclear blast or hand of God could kill him, but maybe something can um, or maybe he maybe he can die, but he keeps coming back. I don't know. Like he can be reincarnated or something. He's in some form. he's he's a human version of a phoenix at this point. Yeah. Like he, he just can't die. He kind of just comes back from his own ashes. I don't know. Right. Um, but yeah, but I mean, what I really enjoyed with this, I, I got that take on it, at least my interpretation of of it was that Franny made him bleed, which means he is at his least powerful right now. He mm-hmm. is starting over. This is He's weak. Yeah. This is they, he literally just hit the reset button. So now he's at level one, <laughs> working his way back up, and he's using what he had to tempt Franny to do that. Because if he can get Franny on his side, or at least get him to accept his offer, he gains some of his power back by doing that. Yeah. So when the temptation doesn't work, the temptation of Franny doesn't work, he goes to the next best thing. He goes to that tribe, and he makes them fear him. He makes them fear and him. And they're the only ones which, left. And they're the only ones outside of it, Colorado. In this world. That, in this world. In this world. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, I think it's because he, he, he blows up that person's head. I mean, the guy is pointing a bow and arrow at him, mm-hmm. which means he, he's threatened. Mm-hmm. Which means, when, and when you're threatened, there's fear. So that little bit of fear gives Randall Flagg the power to make his head explode, mm-hmm. which in turn turns all the rest of this tribe fearful of him. And he screams that, you know, worship me, which I think in reality is the one thing he wants more than anything else. Totally. He just wants, he wants people to worship him. Totally. That's his main goal. And when it happens... Now suddenly he has that power to levitate again. Mm-hmm. This tribe is giving him back his power. Yeah. Which in some ways is that open ending open ended ending that the button I said would have given to because now it sets up like, okay, if he's getting some of his power back, what's going to happen in the future? Eyes of the Dragon, because that's where he makes his second appearance in King's okay. World. The his first one was the stand, his second appearance was in Eyes of the Dragon. But that's kind of, but that's in the past, though. So, well, no, actually, isn't Eyes of the Dragon on a different world? It's in a different world. It's in a different world, mm-hmm. yeah. 
So that's not even in the past. That's in a that's not a completely it's just it's just world. a different world. I mean, I don't know yeah. that time even matters because it's just in a in an entirely different world. And I don't think time even like and and maybe it's the power and maybe that's just it. Maybe I mean, and this is going real deep in the Stephen <laughs> King universe, but maybe that's just it. Maybe he had no power to actually leave the world, leave this earth that the stand happens on, he needed to build up enough power to leave that world. He's got to catch the next so the, beam over. Yeah. So the tribe gives him, <laughs> yeah, the tribe, the fear of that tribe gives him the power back mm-hmm. enough to leave the world. And the next world over is Eyes of the Dragon, is the world that Eyes of the Dragon takes place on. Because if I remember correctly, and I, I know that's a book you and I have actually both read, mm-hmm. he is a magician in that world so he does have abilities but i don't think he's as strong in eyes of the dragon as he is in the stand i don't it's been a while since i've read it. i mean and and yes as you said this novel we have actually read thank you very yes. much so, and i've read it more than once because i love it so much it, it's a good just quick read honestly it's not as intimidating as so many of his works and and i don't know no, and it's only like a third of the size of the stand. absolutely yeah it's a, it's a good and it's I just think a, it's like 400 pages yeah it's just a good good story if you haven't read it it's so good uh, just a good rich story and it's very satisfying um so so yeah i've read it more than once and i don't remember how strong he was and I'm because I I want I love Eyes of the Dragon because I am a sucker for Arthurian oh, tales. Me like, too. Knights and magicians. It got me. and like magic. Totally. So you combine knights and magic with Stephen King writing. Of course, I'm going to read. Oh it. yeah, I was all like, in because yeah, I'm a sucker for any type of like Arthurian like legend spun yeah. tale. You mix that in with all the you know, wizardry of Stephen King, then yeah, I was all in. And that's probably why I loved it so much. Um, but yeah, great, great book. So I don't remember how strong he was in that, it, because it has been a while since I've read it. Um, I don't know. I, and I don't know if that's where what they're alluding to either. Like that is just where he's where he would he would go next. It felt open ended, but either way, he is he is definitely like reinvented and like reincarnating himself. Um, what if what if Randall Flagg just becomes this world's Alexander Skarsgård? I'm okay with that. <laughs> like Alexander Skarsgård on our Earth is actually Randall Flagg. It just he just took up that persona to survive. I'm I don't know. I'm okay with that. That was stupid. Just rewind thirty seconds. Forget I ever. No, I'm just proud of myself that I didn't go on and on about about things that I could have went on about. So let's let's give give Rima a hand here that I'm moving on from that subject. I mean, you haven't hit your number one yet, but I'm incredibly impressed that the words bare assed have not come out of your mouth yet. No, nope. Those are your words, my friend. Those are your words. <laughs> but again, you still have your number one to do. So yeah, well, it could still be happening. It, 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 no, it's not going to happen. I'm going to subvert everyone's expectations this episode and not talk about that. That is for Rima's private time. Was that your number one? That was my number one. Okay, yeah. okay. Well, my number one, I just wanted to just kind of generalize uh, the series as a whole. Now that we're here at the end, okay. we got the end. We've been waiting on this coda. We got here. Um I overall just wanted to kind of talk about it that I did like the series. 
And I liked that they tried something a little bit different. There were so many uh, dissenting opinions. You know, people either really enjoyed it. People were able, you know, to maybe take a step back and kind of forget what they knew about the book or kind of forget some of that and maybe just enjoy it for what it was. And then some people just hated it entirely. And that's okay. Uh, Nobody was wrong. Um, uh, uh, as far as their opinions about the series. I respect all of them. But I, I like that they tried something a little bit different. Uh, if you're going to do something that's already been done, you know, there was the book, there was the 94 series. If you're going to attempt to do it, why would you do the same exact thing? Um, I like that Stephen King was involved and that he had a say and that it met his approval. At the end of the day, mm. he was promoting this. You know, he would he would tweet out every now and again, you know, about the um, episodes and something that he liked. You know, I know that, you know, from reading articles, you know, the writers were going to him like, here's what we're wanting to do. And, you know, he, he they would get, you know, that nod. Yep. Yep. That that looks great. So at the end of the day, that to me is what was important is that we got his approval and to me, this epilogue that we got here in episode nine and the series itself doesn't really retract from his original 78 novel. Um, I think it, it instead kind of played within that story. Like they, you know, they, they played within the confines of this world and the story and his story um, that he told. Um, I, I, I think that it was a great send off um, and an expansion of Franny's role. Um, this battle between good and evil, you know, we get a lot of that in King's uh, books. And so I, I liked that, that this is how they or he decided to end it. Um, and this adaptation got his full support and direct input. And I think that the series, in my opinion, served as a fairly faithful translation of his vision. And I think he felt it, too. And that's good enough for me. So... That's where I'm ending that. I and and you know what? I'll I'll just tack on with my thoughts uh, overall as a whole too. Um, I'm with you on that one. I overall I enjoyed the series. I think, and we've brought this up before. There were definitely some issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. There were some there were some pacing issues. There were some character development issues. Um, I think the actors worked really well with what they had Mm -hmm. to work with. Um, You know, we talked a number of standouts. uh, Brad William Henke as Tom Cullen. Greg Kinnear as Glenn Bateman. Greg Kinnear! Um, Say it one more time. (laughs) um, Kojak as Kojak. Yes! Uh, You know, uh, uh, um, Alexander Skarsgård as Randall Flagg. There were definitely some stronger performances. James Marsden as Stu was fantastic. I I don't care... I know some people were complaining it didn't feel like the stew from the 94. And I'm like, well, this isn't the 94. Like, that's, it's good reason to not feel like he's the stew from 94. This isn't the 94. Mm-hmm. Um, a number of characters were very different from the 94 version. Yep. And, you know, one of my biggest things, too, is people who say, like, oh, I love the book. I love 94, but I tried watching this and it feels nothing like the book. Well, 94 was nothing like the book. So how can you dislike this one but like that one? That that one did its own thing and told its own story similar to the book but adapted it. 
this did the same thing. So it's kind of like, well, you can't not like one for one reason and then like something else for the same reason. Like it just, it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, you know, and the coda, like I said, the stuff they did with Franny, I liked, but I really felt like they could have taken this episode, shortened it down to 20, 25 minutes, tacked it on to make episode eight an extended episode, and you would have gotten the same result uh, that we got from from this. Um, overall, we talked in the very, like, maybe a couple episodes in what better format could this story have been told in? Like whether it was 10 episodes with an 11th episode being a coda or whatever. I thought a lot about that this week. Mm -hmm. And I really think if they wanted to tell this story properly and give everybody the amount of time that they needed, I think they could have made this two or three seasons. Hmm. Um, I think season one could have been six or seven episodes developing the characters, introducing us to the characters. Season one could have ended with everybody arriving in New Boulder. Season two was getting to know New Boulder, these people interacting with each other, meeting New Vegas. And then episode and with ending with them leaving New Boulder for Vegas. And then episode or season three was the, the trip to New Vegas, the events in New Vegas, the trip back home, into the end of the story. I think three seasons of six episodes each could have told this story better. I don't disagree, but I don't, I wouldn't have wanted it split into three separate seasons. I think then you should just do kind of like what a traditional network show would do and have like 20 something episodes per season and just, or even 15. Yeah. Five, five, and five. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't want to wait. I, I wouldn't want it to be like, okay, here's season one, and then we have to wait a, a year or longer, especially right now with the COVID and the pandemic right now, and everything is pretty much like so many things have slowed to a halt. Things have stopped. Things are really, really slow. The things that have been moved back into production are so super slow now because they have to take so many precautions with COVID that things are at a more slower pace. So we're not getting a whole lot of new content. So... I would not have wanted to see it necessarily in, in different <laughs> seasons, but I totally get the adding of more episodes. They, I think then we would have probably gotten more of that character development that we were lacking a little bit and that lots of people kind of complained about. We would have gotten maybe a little bit more of that story, that background. Um, so I, I could see that, but I wouldn't want to wait for it. I can, I can see that too. I mean, I, I think Under the Dome attempted to do something similar to that. Uh, in spreading out over seasons, yes, and it didn't exactly work for them either. So, no. yeah, maybe it's uh, maybe it would have been best to just. But again, I think it needed, it needed more time. It needed at least a couple more, at least a couple more episodes. I think, yeah, at, at minimum. But you know, I, I would have taken even four or five more, just to kind of get more of the characters that that we knew and loved and knew should have had more development, like Tom, like Nick. Um, you know, slightly less Harold, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Although, again, I, I I didn't mention him when I said some standout people. Owen Teague, he did fantastic. Uh, he was amazing. Yeah, in this, um, did fantastic. You know, so we could have gotten more really, Trash Can Man. We could have gotten more Trash Can Man backstory. We could have gotten more of Tom and Stu's trip back to Boulder. 
there was a lot left out, um, both in story and character development. Uh, but I do have to say, overall, while there were some negative elements to this series, uh, the positive outweighed the negative, and I enjoyed it. Same for me. And I would have watched it regardless of whether I had chosen to podcast on it or not. It was definitely on my radar when I heard they were doing it. Um, because I'm always interested in, you know, it, it, it always piques my interest. And, and then too. I usually, t- like this one, I would have watched no matter what. Um, yep. So, yeah, I went, would love just to end it there on a positive note that overall, I was pretty happy. I know we nitpicked on some things that are definitely some shortcomings. Some things could have been done a little bit better. But I think with what they had and the time allotted, like if they if they came to them and said, look, guys, you can you get nine episodes or even eight and Stephen King gets his ninth. I don't know how that all came together, but if, if that's what they, if that's what they were presented with and they're like, Oh shit. Okay. So this is all we're going to get. How do we make this work? You know, I think if you think about it that way, if that's how it went, then they did the best they could with what they had. Like I said, this was like a, over a thousand pages. How the hell do you get all of that in eight or nine and- episodes? And you know what? And you're right. A lot of the fault in that, like I know a lot of people tend to blame writers for things like that. And a lot of that time, a lot of it, people have to understand in television, it doesn't work where the writers say, okay, we can tell this story in nine episodes. And then the production company says, okay, we'll give you nine. Yeah. It, it's the other way around. <laughs> exactly. It's, we're going to make this. We're going to give you nine episodes to tell the story. And then it's up to the writers to figure out what's going to make it and what's not. Yeah. It's, so if, if things are left out, it's not always the writer's fault. Yeah, it's it's, it's not always. It is usually for lack of time because it's usually the executives. It's the people behind all of that that's making those decisions. It's not always, you know, the writers. They might have had an idea of where they might might have needed more to expand on and they were given that time. You usually don't get a lot of choice unless you're a hit show and you're making a lot of money for that studio or, you know, and, and then you can say you know, we'll give you what you want. I think, you know, HBO went to, and again, God, I hate to keep bringing that up because I don't want to leave a sour taste <laughs> in anyone's mouth. But, you know, the you know the Double Ds were given that option from HBO. They were like, you guys can do whatever you want to finish this up. You can have this many episodes. And, and they, of course, went a different route in uh, a couple of those last um, uh, seasons. I was going to say episodes, but seasons, you know, they could have been given they were presented with, we'll give you extra episodes to tell the story. And they went a different route. Now that's different. That was a huge show. They made a lot of money for HBO. Um, so that was different. You're, you're typically not given that until you've established yourself until you've proven yourself. So yeah, I think if that's the way that things, again, I don't know that I'm just stating if that's how things went down, it may not have all been up to them. And I, and I feel like a, a lot of that is true, too, because, I mean, when you look at the fact that Stephen King consulted on one, maybe two episodes of the first eight, and then he got to write the ninth uh, as his coda. Nine always struck out to me as a weird number, because television shows usually do things in even numbers. Yeah, it's, it's eight an odd episodes, number. Yeah. It's ten episodes. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling, and I could be wrong, but I have a feeling this played out as in CBS gave them eight episodes. Then they found out Stephen King wanted to be involved, so they <laughs> right. gave them a ninth for yep. him to do the story. 
I feel like had Stephen King been on board from the beginning and was a part of writing this entire series, mm-hmm. CBS would have given them as many episodes as they needed to tell this story. Possibly. Yeah, I could I could see that. Yeah. Because if, because if they were willing to give him alone an episode for himself to tell this coda, I feel like had he been involved the whole time, they probably would we probably would have gotten more episodes. It's possible. It's possible. I, I'm I'm curious how because what was was it uh, Rose Red that he wrote? Didn't he? Didn't he? Because uh, clearly, I know he wrote the book, but did he write the <laughs> screenplay for the 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 miniseries Rose Red? Um, let's see. There was one that it he was... wrote, and for some reason, that stands out in my head. Yeah, the miniseries was written. The screenplay was written by him. Okay, that's what I thought. I enjoyed that so much, by the way. I loved the book and then um, loved loved that miniseries. But of course, that was a different time. You know, you don't see a lot of miniseries. I mean, yeah, this was a miniseries, but miniseries like there was in the day with the 94 version of The Stand, like Rose Red. Miniseries on network TV was something a little bit different. And this is network, but it's also CBS's streaming service. It's not their traditional network um, station. So, I don't know. I don't know. Well, just, I mean, like, just even, food for thought. I mean, even if you look at the uh, the um, the miniseries of The Shining, like I know you had mentioned earlier, and I'm in complete agreement that where Stephen King, this had the Stephen King stamp of approval. The mm-hmm. sh- the, the the stand did, and like you, that was enough for me to want to dive into this and be okay with any changes that they made. Mm-hmm. Because like you, I'm, I like the changes that they made. I like that they, there were certain elements that they kind of changed to adapt more to a modern time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not only that, but you know, most shows either take a linear or nonlinear approach, but this took both. Mm-hmm. You know, this mixed both linear and nonlinear and to a degree, and in my opinion, it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I know something that a lot of people kind of criticize Stephen King of is that he tends to like some of his work, but yet he was so against and disliked the Kubrick's version of The Shining. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Kubrick's vision of The Shining was very different from the book. The people ending was, love the movie. People I love, love the movie. Yeah, I don't. I love the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, you don't? I'm not a fan, I, no. I like the book and I like the movie, but I also liked the miniseries. I was a fan of all three mm-hmm. because I'm at, and because like you, I'm able to kind of take myself away from the source material and let what I'm viewing or what I'm reading, like let that stand alone, kind yeah, of yeah, kind of stand alone from uh, to be what it is to be something on its own. Um, it's the same reason why I know a lot of people love the book Ready Player One but hated the movie. I love them both. Ready Player One is one of my favorite books and I I love the movie mm-hmm. because I'm able to separate the the adaptation from the source material. Because again, adaptation is just that. It's an adaptation. It's it's adapting to the medium that it's on. So I don't know where I was going with this. <laughs> I started to ramble. <laughs> I started to ramble. I feel like I had a point, and I probably touched on it, um, but I forgot what it was. That's okay. Well, and I mean, I and I do see what you're saying, and for the most part, I can too. There's, there's, 
you know, the only time I think I really did struggle was when they did the Dark Tower movie. Um, because that was always very precious. Um, there's and probably been a few other examples as well that, you know, uh, reading the source material, being a, a, a true fan and feeling like that was something really close to me and then seeing an ap- adaptation completely be shit or not very well done. You know, I understand people's disappointment. So, you know, I, I totally get that people love this book. This book means a lot to a lot of people. And this was one of Stephen King's greatest books that he that he read. So I get, you know, that folks have an issue with with this adaptation. Um and if you can't take yourself, you know, uh, you know, kind of leave that aside and watch it for what it is, that's okay. I understand that um, because I've yeah. been there myself. But I, I am usually able because a lot of times I do just want to be entertained. I do just want to see a little bit of a different story. I want to see what somebody can do can do with it. And I thought that this, I, I was able to do that. And and because I haven't read the book, like I said, I and we've talked about that. Like, would we feel differently had we read the book? And then watched this, you know, would would we have felt different? Maybe we we won't know because we've already watched it and we haven't read the book. Um, I I kind of feel like because I know we're both going to dive into the book uh-huh. shortly after this this is done, probably sometime within the next week or two. Yes. of hearing this, we're going to be diving into the book. Yes, um, with a little bit of a book club with book club with some people we know. I almost feel like maybe in a couple months. Should we, we revisit to do, like a stand <laughs> revisit and, and post, see if our post reading of the book and and see what we thought? Yeah. Do you think people want to hear our... that? Do you guys want to hear about that? I don't know. Right. Let us know. I don't know. <laughs> Let but, us yeah, know. Just see if see if maybe our opinions on this miniseries have changed. I think I think that regardless of whether we podcast on it and let because I don't know if people are interested or not. If, if people are interested, you can let let me know. But I think that we should definitely have a conversation about it for sure. And I think oh, that we sure. will in our book club. You know, we're we're going to talk about it. So. I can tell you right now, I'm probably going to end up reading Eyes of the Dragon as soon as I'm done with the stand. I'm super pumped now that I'll just talk about Eyes of the Dragon. This is like what's in my brain. I kind of want to read it too. I could probably. I, I kind of want to go back into it. I know. I kind of want to read it really quickly before I jump into the stand. Um, I'm. I actually kind of want to wait and and do it after the stand because I know, like you said, that's the next appearance of Randall Flag. Mm-hmm. Um, and not having read the stand uh, and having read Eyes of the Dragon, I kind of want to. I kind of want to read the stand first and then go into Eyes of the Dragon to see if maybe there are ways it ties together. Well, hey, they're all tied together. Everything is tied together in Stephen King's world. True. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that'll be fun. Well, gosh, we're going to have to get started on that because, damn, that is one one long-ass book. (laughs) I'm sorry. That is one of my favorite phrases ever since hearing Will Smith say it in Men in Black. It's just hearing somebody go, because, damn. <laughs> like, I just, I love that. <laughs> so the fact that you just said it is just... Must be where I got good. it. That's Maybe. Not a Rima original, I won't claim that. It's, um, it's in Men in Black when he when they flashy thing the, the woman who sees her husband turn into the, the cockroach. Yep. Um, and he goes and he's like, you need to call an interior decorator in here because, damn. Damn. Yep. <laughs> kind of so looks around that. a little bit like, damn. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, I think that's a good place to kind of end it. Do you have any notes, final notes? No. Um, I think, I think we've, we've, I think everything that needed to be said, 
both about this coda and the series as a whole. I think we pretty much covered it. I agree. I agree. Um, I'm I'm satisfied with that. Um, okay. Well, and the only news item I had, it's not really a very long one. And I honestly, we talked about it already. And that was um, about the coda. Uh, so Benjamin Cavill told reporters during an online press conference for the show late last year, um, talking about Stephen King, he said he wrote a coda. And the big reason that he wanted to do the coda, the thing that he had been thinking about for 30 years is that uh, Franny didn't go uh, on the stand in the book. And it was... Um, so I like that. I like that he got to have his say after all these years, that he got that addition. That's It's been something that's kind of been egging at him, you know, all these years. And I'm glad that he got, got to do that, that he, he yeah. wanted her to have that. So I'm glad that he got that opportunity and that he that he was presented with that and did it to his satisfaction. And he did it the way he wanted. So we've already talked about that anyway, and I don't have any other news items. So that's going to take us into listener feedback um, got a lot of it this week. We got lots of opinions and I'm ready to hear them. Um, the first one that we have is from Gemma Hall. She says, I was also disappointed. What bothered me most is Stu and Tom just turning up the beginning of the episode. It just carried no weight and felt like, oh, they're back. I know I shouldn't be a whiny book reader, but I actually found Stu and Tom's perilous journey back to Boulder thrilling. And you got to see a familiar face as well. The Franny and the well stuff was good. I did get very nervous with her on top of the well and her baby nearby. Then when Randall whispered in her ear and a rat bit her hand, I screamed. All the stuff was new to the stand. I guess nuclear bomb can't get rid of flag, eh? Also, leaving the safety of Boulder with a newborn is a stupid thing to do. They do it in the book, but the baby is a bit older. I am also assuming that young girl was Mother Abigail and God cured Franny. I really think they could have done a few more episodes out of the series. Like I said, I really want to see Stu's struggle to get home to Franny. The reunion didn't feel earned to me. I did enjoy the series as a whole, but I wanted more. I agree with a lot of that. Um, especially the part about uh, Stu, and Fran- Stu and Tom returning home and carrying no weight. Um, when Tom and Stu walk into the town square or town center where they're at, mm-hmm. or wherever the area is at, Franny is the only one that's like excited that Stu was home. I was w- waiting for like an applause when they started yeah, to kiss. Like, a, like yeah. woo, you know, woohoo's the they're home and and look the the lovers are reunited and the family's back together and and I was like, oh, I mean, that kind of fell if, flat. <laughs> if Stu was just any other member of town, like I could understand like being like, oh, like, okay, this guy just came back home. Like, but Stu was a member of the council. Like, who, who everybody went off to knew Vegas, Stu. And they have no idea what happened to them. Everybody assumes that they're dead. And he's the one person that comes back. And then Tom, too. Tom survived. Tom, they, they left and, and that's all that they get. Yeah, like no, That's like no patting them on, <laughs> no patting them on the back while he's headed headed to Franny. Like nothing. Yeah, like, a little bit more excitement would have been nice. I, I was hoping there was going to be some applause there. I was disappointed. I was like, really? That's how we greet our guys who've been gone. Who knows how long? At least a couple of months, it, it seems. Because Franny was, I mean, they left, and Franny was about you know, what seven, eight months pregnant or something, and then she had the baby when. Um, and then the baby was what I'm guessing like a month or two old. So took them just as long to get back as what it did for them to get to new Vegas to begin with. So yeah, yeah. a little bit disappointing of a, of a reunion. See yeah. That? Agreed. Uh, our next piece of feedback comes from Tim Lovell. 
my biggest problem with it was the name of the episode. Other than her desire to go to Maine, which I should have seen coming, having been written by Stephen King, I pretty much figured what was going to happen. Temptation from good and evil, Franny stays good. If they just called it Coda, we could have had some surprise. Overall, better than 94, but still some weak spots, 6.5 out of 10. He leaned on one side, at least. Yeah, but I mean, he's right. I mean, they yeah. did call it Franny in the well, so we kind of saw that coming in the episode. I think if they had just called it the circle closes like they ended with, it would have been less of a surprise. But basically yeah. telling us Franny in the well, yeah, we kind of knew what was happening. Maybe we should have left the title out. I don't know. <laughs> and I know last week I kind of made a joke about like... um Kojak becoming like Lassie running to Stu and saying like, Franny's, what's that boy? Franny's in the well? We almost got almost exactly got that this episode. Because <laughs> Kojak is standing in the middle of the road to get Stu. We got exactly that. Yep. Franny's I mean, in the well. Good boy, Kojak. I mean, seriously. But We've not we said got enough about Kojak, for sure. We got almost exactly what I joked about last yeah, week. Yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, lacking lacking enough Kojak time. I'll go with that, too. Add that to my list. Sally Lynch Mock says, I watched this yesterday, and I am disappointed. My husband introduced me to the 94 miniseries when we first started dating. I enjoyed that series and was very helpful for the updated version. This series was not horrible, but it just did not deliver what I was hoping for. The fact that they had about three more hours of show than the original series, I thought they would have more developed characters. I wish they would have taken some of that extra time to dedicate to Stu and Tom's journey back to Boulder. I felt that was an important part of the 94 series and in the book. The fact that they just brushed off that Franny's baby just got over Captain Trips was ridiculous. I did find it interesting in this episode that Mother Abigail healed Franny. In the book, Mother Mother Abigail heals Franny after the bomb set by Harold. Thank you for your coverage, and I look forward to hearing what you're covering next. Me too. I don't know what that is yet for you. So neither do I. Either either way, I'll listen. <laughs> or be a part of it. I don't know. I don't know where I stand, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry um, you were disappointed, Sally. I I know. I I agree with some of what you said there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lindsay Schlicht. It's funny to me how Stephen King usually subverts standard storytelling by lulling, lulling you into what you expect to be a happen and happy ending, only to burn it all to the ground in the end, and then have him trick me again this week by instead actually giving us a happy ending. Uh, I spent every second of this episode so tense, wondering when all the hell would break loose and trying to guess everything. There were moments I thought Stu was Randall in disguise, then Franny. Then I wondered if baby Abigail would be some kind of vessel for him to return, or if he would steal the baby when Franny was in the well. Wow, you've given me so much more to think about. Uh, When they came upon the cornfield, I started wondering if they were going to somehow tie it into the tall grass, and then was terrified for Kojak. I'm glad I ended up being a moron here because it was nice to just simply get a happy ending for once, especially after after a relatively dreary show. That final scene with Randall Flagg was probably my favorite of the series, and not for obvious reasons, <laughs> although Alexander's butt is a great way to close things out. <laughs> it, was, it was a fun way to end on both a funny note and also very dark to see him quickly rising to power. That felt like a very Stephen King way to end it. Really enjoyed the show and following where you guys and following you guys this round. So, where to next? Oh, I really almost wish people weren't asking me that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lindsay. I I so 
enjoy your feedback. You just say the funniest things, and I feel like you say what I want to say, um, but can't quite articulate it. So thanks for that piece of feedback. Um, Our good friend, Lara Willie Swink, says, Well, with all respect to Stephen King, that was completely underwhelming. We get zero storytelling of Tom saving Stu or of Nick helping from beyond. My one hope to get more Nick in this show. Besides that, a lot of this ending is similar to the book with a bit more story for Franny, but really just using, I'm guessing, a reincarnation of Mother Abigail going back to the scene that in the book happened between Franny and her before she died. So I'm not sure how much new material book readers actually got. And that end scene with Flags sort of left a bad taste in my mouth. I mean, Flags an evil bastard, so I guess it's in his character. This series really suffered from too little time, which is odd because I feel there was far more character building in the 94 series with less time to do it. But I really feel that they should have made this at least two seasons to give more time to character building so that we could really have felt the loss when characters like Nick, Abigail, and Larry died. I don't know why so much time was invested into Harold since he inevitably does not factor much into the end of the story and why main main characters like Stu, Joe... Tom, Nick, and even Flag were given such short shrift. I did enjoy the updated filming, special effects, acting, and music in this 2021 version, but for my money, the 1994 miniseries made up for in heart and storytelling what it lacked in decent film technology. It was still entertaining to watch, though, made all the more entertaining by the Strange Indeed crew sharing it with us. Um, interesting yay. yay interesting tidbit one of the songs in the show San, San Louis is performed by Gregory Allen Isakoff a musical performer based in Boulder and that's a great song too I actually I updated the Spotify playlist to all the music that was in this episode cool and I actually ended up listening to that song in full when I did it um, it's awesome it's a it's a really great song yeah and leave it to Laura to know her music. She is our music queen. Um, I get it, Laura. There, there was, there was a lot of things missing, and I think I complained a little bit too. We got a little bit too much Harold at probably um, sacrificing where we could have gotten some other character development. So I understand. And I, I, I question: Did we get too much Harold, or was it just not enough of every other character? I still feel like we we didn't get enough of some of the other characters, and we still got a smidge too much Harold. I think I think they did a good job of telling us what they needed to, to tell us without giving us so much of it. I didn't need all that. I, I think it, I think it just felt like too much Harold because we didn't get a not enough of it. We because we didn't get enough I mean, of every other character. If they had evened it out, if they had given us equal time with Tom, Nick, Stu. Yeah. More, uh, everybody. more Glenn. Basically everybody. More Glenn. Oh, I would have taken more Glenn. In less Nadine. I don't know. Um. <laughs> A lot of people wanted less Nadine. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Laura. Uh, Doug Fick. Between the 8th and 9th, I watched the 94 version and I liked it. Mostly the first half. The second half of the new version was better. As far as Akota, I was underwhelmed. Glossing over how Patrick from SpongeBob, I mean Tom, saved Stu was almost criminal. Then when Franny and Stu get to the farm, my first inclination would be, hey, who planted this corn? <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, well, at least RJ got another peek at, uh, at Skarsky's glutes. <laughs> 
Uh, it wouldn't have made sense for a supernatural being to be destroyed by a bomb, and he just needed to find another sect that would fear him until they don't. All in all, I liked it. As always, well done podcasting, you guys. Another one in the books. Where to next? <laughs> it took me a second. He said Patrick from SpongeBob, but I think he was referring to the guy that played Tom in the 94. Because I don't think Brad William Hankey does that. I, I might be incredibly wrong on that. Honestly, I, think- I don't know who, vo- who does any of those voices. I'm so out of the loop with animation. I don't know. Um, yeah, if if he was thinking it was Brad William Hankey, it's it's not. Um, I don't know who does Patrick from. Uh, I don't know, but he does. He he does sound like Boomer. I, I call him Boomer because that's the character I know him from. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's Bill Faberbach who played um, Tom in the '94. Yeah, that's who does Patrick in. Oh well, that's awesome in, in SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah. That's appropriate. Uh, We did get one email this week from Autumn. Uh, She says, notice the turtle. So, I did. Yeah, I, I no, no, noticed the turtle. So just for um, everyone else, in case you missed it, Autumn uh, mentioned last week a tie to um, turtles um, to the series in like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the mention of turtles or seeing turtles. So thank you, Autumn. Um, she goes on. Yes, I feel the spirits of the three were ascending into heaven. Uh, I think that was something that you mentioned uh, last week, Ben, when we were talking about like those three looks like beams of light. Yeah, um, so, was, was three of the four ascending. Right, and so... That was, that yep. was my thought. So she agrees. Thanks, Autumn. Um, she goes on, notice that with Franny in the well, uh, Mother Abigail's words, there is no place that God cannot find you. I like the new ending. Um, she says, please read the book with the 500 extra pages. It has a different beginning and end than the original. Ultimately, ultimately, this is why I'm not crazy about this long book. There is a virus. People go to Boulder or Vegas. Vegas dies out, and then Franny and Stu just go back on to, on to Maine alone. Why? Um, what in the end was the point of this? Hmm. I don't know either, Autumn. That was my question as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Why go alone? I don't know. I'm. I'm not sure. I have no I'm glad answer. Autumn continued to to leave us feedback every week, though. Yes, thank you, Autumn, um, for continuing to leave feedback. Thanks, everyone. Really. Um, I know there were lots of opinions, and even people that really still didn't care for it still continued to write on, you know, and I appreciate that. People could have just dropped it. So, um, but with that being said, we did get some voice messages as well. So the first one that we have is from our good friend, Greg. Now that was the Randall flag I'm used to seeing, full of charm and confidence, even when he's being denied of his desires. Hey, Ben Arima, this is Greg. And I just want to say that I was way more impressed with this episode, The Coda, than I was with the quote-unquote finale. It's kind of similar to what Robert Kirkman discusses when he talks about The Walking Dead. Like, what happens after the apocalypse? How do people move on and live their lives? I appreciated hearing the end of the story, which is filled with hope. Stephen King has, for a long time, said that he sucks at writing endings. I tend to agree with him, given the end of The Mist, Salem's Lot, Shawshank Redemption... There aren't actual endings, just characters riding on to the sunset with some sort of hope or idea. I didn't particularly care for the ending of Frank Darabont's The Mist because it was so depressing, but at least it is an ending as opposed to the end of the King's novella. Uh, I really felt that Fran's performance in this episode was really her time to shine. Like I, I bought into the 
her confidence and then her desperation and really enjoyed her action interaction with, with Mother Abigail. Uh, then, of course, I loved the appearance of Russell Faraday. Almost exactly off the page from the book. Sorry, spoilers, but RF is nothing if not resilient. I'd really enjoy seeing uh, Skarsgård reprise his role in another Dark Tower Connected Stories. And my personal favorite incident of the episode, uh, incident of the episode was immediately prior to the beginning credits when the, the happy face pen lets us know that the future scenes in the episode are not dreams or anything. They are actually happening. And the, the story's continuing. I really appreciate you guys covering this for all nine weeks. And I appreciate your breakdowns of these episodes, even though they're a little bit frustrating to listen to. I look forward to the next Strange Indeed coverage, and I'm sure that you will, in fact, be true and stand. Thank you for that uh, refreshingly honest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I get the frustration. I really do. I, I apologize for it. I'm um, sorry, everyone. And man, Greg bringing up the ending of uh, Frank Dornbot's Frank Dornbot's The Mist. It's it, it is for anybody who has not seen that movie. Um, it is honestly one of the most, and pardon my language, it is one of the most fucked up endings to a movie I have ever seen. Mm. I don't know if you've seen it. Reamer, I've seen or not. the movie. Yeah. Okay. Yep. It the was ending different. to that, it, the ending of that, just gives me like a. Oh God, it gives me like a lump in my throat just thinking about it. It is a truly screwed up ending. And for that reason, I kind of love it, which makes me a screwed up person. But well, still, we are here for a reason um, here on Strange Indeed. We, we love <laughs> messed up things. Yeah, it was different. Um, thank you, Greg. Appreciate that. And I look forward to reading The Stand with you, brother. Uh, re- reread for you. Uh, first read for Ben and I. So Yes. We look forward to that. Um, next voice message that we have is from Archmaster Rennie. Well, I have been trying to think of something to say about the coda. And unfortunately, I think Mostly, I either have an hour-long lecture or dead silence. Uh, So I think I will just say two observations that I have. The first is that I understand that Stephen King regretted not having Franny have an opportunity in the original story to make her stand because she couldn't go to New Vegas because she was pregnant. So he added that in which is fine, except that all of the other characters had to pay the price for any decisions that they made. And Franny gets magically healed out of nowhere by a mystical younger version of Mother Abigail, maybe. That was just so not what I expected. The second thing, however, is this. So I live in the Pacific Northwest. It does not snow very often or very much where I live. But right now, the snow is falling. There's about four or five inches accumulated on the ground. It's about 28 degrees. And I think 
I would not want to try to live through a Maine winter in post-apocalyptic conditions. If the apocalypse ever comes and I am a survivor, I am going south to warmer climates, not to Maine or Boulder. That, I guess, is my final thought. Thanks very much for this podcast. It's definitely made my experience of watching this remake much more enjoyable. Oh, that was really nice. I'm, uh, Rennie, I'm with you. I, I live in Pennsylvania where we're getting the snow uh, right now, too. So you make a very valid point. Yeah. Uh, if I was living alone during an apocalypse or post-apocalypse, I would also be going to warmer climates. I Look, I hate the winter, and it's not the apocalypse. I have the luxury of heat. At least my electricity has not went out like so many people right now are being slammed with freezing temperatures and, 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 um, and, and without power and heat. And for that, I am so sorry. I've been without heat, too, and ice storms, and it's terrible. And trying to think how the hell you're going to heat your home with a child in the house. Um, so I hate winter in the best of times. <laughs> I certainly, in the apocalypse, I would be, if I could get a boat, I'd just go to Puerto Rico put me on an island where no one else can get to me and beautiful weather and I'm set. Or if I can't get on a boat, then I'm going to Central America. I, I don't even need to go that far. Just send me down to the Carolinas. I'm happy. No. Take, take me down. I'm going. I'm going. I'm out of here. You know, and Renny, I, I, you know, you're getting the snow and the colder temperatures and I feel you, so I hope you're staying warm yeah. uh, where you are. Um, but that brings up another very valid point. You know, they fixed the power plant in Boulder, but that power plant doesn't power the rest of the country. Right. So moving out to Maine, you're going back They're, to primitive living. They are going back. And I, I thought about that when they were going. I was like, my God, you guys are going back to like you have power in in Boulder. And yeah, it's cold. I mean, you get some. T- I mean, uh, we have a good friend who lives in Colorado and has talked about some of the fierce winters and storms that come through. It's not pleasant, but there is power. There are people. There is a community, and you're stronger with a community than you are on your own. That's why I just I I'm saying that's why I'm going with my theory that they're. You know, I feel like if if it was what February or so when they were going to make Vegas and. Uh, the events of Vegas happened. Stu and Tom make it back to Boulder, and the baby's like a month or two old. She's still a tiny little newborn. Um, they could spend the summer in Maine. Uh, summers in New England are nice, right? So I'm thinking they're going to spend the summer and they're going to go back because it's it's. I can't. I just don't feel they're that that silly or like you said, selfish to um, try to make it out in this po- post apocalyptic world without a community and without some of the uh and or at least being able to survive some winners yeah i don't know i, don't know. I still i still think it's <laughs> that's okay I, we can disagree I still think what, but, but no i mean even if it was temporary or permanent i still think it's an irresponsible decision to go it's when, a lot when they it's did. a lot yeah. the baby's very i mean because ev- baby's very little because yeah because even in the feedback we got earlier they said that you know it they do leave in the book but the baby is older mm-hmm. um you know, so I just, I still think it's Pretty a little, and the baby's still little irresponsible. Little. Yeah, I get yeah. that. I get that. Thank you, Archmaster Rennie, for your input. Always much appreciated. And thank you for your kind words. Um, last 
feedback we have is from our good friend Steve Brown. Hey, Ben and Rima, this is Steve. I'm just about to start my second watch of uh, The Stand, the finale, and I noticed something interesting. Um, a lot of people are still calling it Coda, Franny, and the Well, but on CBS All Access, they're calling it The Circle Closes. thought that was interesting. And the scene that I, I mentioned last week in my voicemail, which I think is, it's like the last couple pages of the, the book, um, the, the unabridged version is the only one I've ever read, uh, is that scene where he goes to that tribe and he's naked and he's got the boots on. Uh, that's like the last thing in the book. And I, it's, 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 it's nice that uh, Stephen King got to end, end it the, the way, because I always wanted to see that scene uh, when the 94 version came out. Welcome back, Stu. But I would argue that Kojak kind of saved your life as well. So give him a little credit. Did Joe not tell them his real name? Or maybe his real name is just Joe. I don't know. Okay, seriously, even though I knew it was coming, I jumped again when she pulled that rat out of the thing with on her finger. Ugh. Stu doesn't even question why who this little girl is. What He's so concerned for Franny. I get it. But I love the little girl. Dog. Baby. <laughs> Well, that was really good. And then the girl just disappears and uh, we're in Maine. But uh, yeah, I, I appreciate what we got there with this last episode and that it was you know fresh and new material. I do I miss that we didn't get to see Tom and Stu's journey, but really they didn't really show us anybody's journey except for Harold and, uh, and Franny. So, or I guess we had a little bit of Larry and his journey. And my last thought is the... Larry was able to stand up to flag. Glenn was able to stand up to flag. And Fran, there at the end, got to stand up to flag. But really, Ray and Stu never got their chance to stand up to flag. All right. Uh, can't wait to hear what you guys are going to do next. Talk to you later. Thank you, Steve. That's another really good point that Steve made. Um, Stephen King wrote this coda so that Franny would have her stand against flag. Stu never did either. Stu never had a stand against Flag. Yeah, technically, no. So where's Stu's coda? I, coming, was it changing the tire on the truck? <laughs> coming soon. He's working on it now. No, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought I thought that too. I was like, well, it's good that I'm glad that Franny got her stand. You know, because she we didn't get to see her character developed. We didn't get, didn't get to see the Franny that was the Franny in the book. Um. So I like that we got it here in this episode. Um, but yeah, uh, what about Stu? He didn't get it either. I mean, you could argue that his stand was surviving um, when he fell, but that was nothing against Flag. Right. I mean, un unless you count the wolf, but then that was Kojak's stand against Flag. Yeah, another shout out and for Kojak. Stu's. Yeah. Everybody loves Kojak. Let's He's such a good boy. <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah. He was, he was, uh, you know. Such a good boy. <laughs> Such a good boy. Such a good boy. Um, lots of good thoughts. Lots of great opinions. I love all of you guys for week after week. Um, like I said, whether you liked it or not, whether you were on the fence, um, still continuing to write in and supporting us and being here with us for the ride. Um, this I know I've already talked about my thoughts on the series, so um, I'm just glad you guys were here with us. Um, as much as what you guys say that we helped you um, along the journey, you guys helped. I know me. I won't talk for Ben, but you helped me. So thank you guys. Um, and I, I want to say 
Uh, I don't know what's next for Strange Indeed. <laughs> I I don't know, as many other people are wondering. Um, so am I. I don't I don't know what's next for me when it comes to Strange Indeed. I know I've had an absolute blast doing this. This has been for a blast. Yeah. Weeks. Um, I I really hope I, I get to come back from time to time. Dude, the door's open. Uh, and I want to say to everybody listening who left feedback, uh, I was a new voice to Strange Indeed, so I appreciate um, everybody welcoming me and sending the feedback along as well and incorporating me into this. That means as somebody who's been podcasting for probably close to eight or nine years now, I, like that means a lot that jumping into a new medium that I'm accepted. So... I appreciate all the I appreciate all the feedback as well, Rima. This has been an absolute <laughs> blast for the past nine weeks. Um, so Good. thank you to you as well for. Uh, I know. I mean, I know talking about the stand was a mutual idea. Like it was something I came up with, and I know I threw the idea out there, and you wanted to do it, but you brought it into Strange Indeed rather than making it something new. So that uh, you know, I'm uh, thank you for that too. So well, thank you for doing it with me and. Yeah, this has been a blast, and I look forward to whatever projects that we do next. I know I'll be joining you for an episode of Wilhelm. Um, I'm sure there's oh more than one. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. I don't <laughs> more than one. I don't want to monopolize it by any means, but yeah, that would be awesome. I would love to be on as many as what I'm able to do when schedules allow. Um, so yeah, totally. But at least. For sure, one is coming down the pike soon. Um, so we look forward to that. And of course, the door's always open um, for you here at Strange Indeed. Um, I look forward to working with you again. I don't know what possibilities are out there. This this was definitely put together kind of the last minute. Like, we should do... I want to do this. Well, I want to do this too. Well, let's yeah. do it together and let's put it on my podcast and let's, let's put it out here. Um, so you never know. Things just kind of happen last minute like that. So I look forward to um, what we're going to do next as, as well, um, you know, together. So, um, and that just kind of leads me into what are we doing next? Guys... I don't know what I'm doing next. Honestly, I was talking to Ben about this just before we started recording, and I'm honestly probably going to take maybe a week or two and kind of step back. I've been doing a lot of podcasting, not not just on Strange Indeed um, week by week, but I've been guesting, you know, I did House Podcastica um, all through January and Cobra Kai. Um, might do something again really soon this week. I'm guesting on um, Walking Deadcast with Jason this week to do um, like a, a kind of a, a wrap up or kind of going into because Walking Dead comes back next week. So we're going to talk about what's happened um, so far on The Walking Dead and kind of where we're at. And I just need a, like a week or two to kind of step back and to kind of breathe um, just a little bit. And honestly, I don't know what show I want to do next. So I invite all of you who are listening, um, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. You can reach out to us on our email, Facebook. You can uh, message me um, however you want to get a hold of me. And if you have a show that you would like to see um, you know, us cover here on Strange Indeed, I welcome everyone's feedback. Um, I may not do it. I can't do everything that everyone... I might get 20 different, um, you know, do this and do that. Um, but I will definitely look at them and take some opinions and then see what everyone um, thinks about doing. So at this moment, I don't really have anything that's standing out in front of me like, oh, I have to cover this. I'm feeling really passionate about this. Um, so 
I will welcome opinions. I just ask that you stay tuned um, because you don't know what might get released in the next week or two, if anything. Um, and also, mm-hmm. please stay tuned um, just to see you know, what new episode might pop up. If you don't follow us on social media, I try to announce this is what we're going to do next. Um, so if you don't follow us on social media, at least check out your feed and see if maybe something has, um, we've decided to cover something and you didn't catch it on social media. So I appreciate all of you for hanging in there with me. I just, I need to take a breath. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm kind of <We've>, exhausted. <laughs> as I said, I've been doing this for like eight or nine years and I, I get those moments a lot, <laughs> it's, uh, especially when you're juggling a lot of different projects. And when you love doing this as much as I do, and I know you do, I and, do. you know, some of our friends like, like Jason, mm-hmm. the podfather himself does, yes. <laughs> it, we, can, we can get caught up in the number of projects that we take on because we love doing this as much as we do. We love talking about movies and talking about television shows and just talking in general and i swear good podcasters are pod- are people who like the sound of their own voice <laughs> that's that's i say that all the time and i know i'm 100 percent guilty of that like i love to talk so that's I, why i love to talk i don't love the sound of my own voice there would probably be many people that disagree with that but i do love to talk and if i'm <laughs> passionate about something i love to talk about it I, I do hate the sound of my own voice, though. When, that's why I'm really grateful that you've been editing lately, because I haven't had to really listen to myself at all. Um, but, yeah, I just, look, you know, I, I have a day job, and it consumes my days. So all of my all of my podcasting, all of my prep comes in the evenings and on weekends. And I'm, I'm just, I'm so busy, and I have a lot going on. And it's, and, you know, I have other activities outside of podcasting that I do I have my Krav class twice a week I, that I enjoy doing. It's a good stress reliever. It's, it's, I just need a little bit of a, a breath so I can continue to love doing what I do and not be, um, I, I don't want to burn out. I just need to step back. So anyway, please stay tuned. Let me know if there's something that you guys are interested um, in having us cover. I welcome opinions, feedback, or a movie. If there's not a TV series, if there's a movie or something that you want us to cover, I'm open to that too. So anyway, um, that's that's where we're at. Um, well, why don't you, if people have suggestions, why don't we go over the ways that they can tell you? Yeah. Like the, spe- like the specific ways. The specific ways. So, <laughs> well, we are excited for you to um, travel to the Boulder Free Zone with us. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Strange TCast. Uh, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Stranger TCast. And you can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com. And of course, go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to check out Ben and all of his podcasts on the nextlevelnetwork.com. Yeah, I know. If if you guys liked hearing me on this, uh, again, I don't know when I'll be back or if I'll be back. Hopefully I will. Um but if you if you want to hear more stuff that I have, uh, my next project, which will be launching within the next week or two, I keep saying that, um, but that's because I there's so many people that want to be a part of it. It's been I think a that's logistical- been a very large project to coordinate. 
it's been a logistical nightmare to kind of like I have 50 plus episodes at this point that I've been trying to cast and schedule, which is a good problem to have. It's a good problem, but it's it is challenging. Scheduling is a nightmare. So um, but I mean, if you guys enjoyed hearing me on this and you want to hear me talk about movies and movie franchises, uh, my new podcast, Wilhelm, is going to be launching in the next couple weeks. Um I encourage you to follow me there if you want to hear it and you want to listen. Uh, Facebook.com slash the Wilhelm podcast is the Facebook page for that. Um, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Wilhelm podcast. And, you know, like Rima with Strange Indeed, if you have suggestions for things, movie franchises or types of movies that you want to hear us talk about or cover, or if you even want to be a guest on and you just like talking about movies and you want to be on it, uh, you can contact me on other Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or uh, the Wilhelm podcast at gmail.com. Sweet. This was my last opportunity to get that information out, so I wanted to make sure I did it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I just want to say before we wrap up again, a real quick thank you again to you for letting me be a part of this for the past nine weeks. Yeah, um, of course. To, to all the listeners who showed me love and appreciated the insight that I had or constructive criticism or complaints that I had, <laughs> if I offend... If I offended you in any way, I apologize. Hopefully I didn't and I kept you entertained and you look forward to me coming back at some point. Well, I do. So, yeah, like I said, doors open. And thanks again for being here. This was fun. Awesome. Yeah, it was. Uh, But that's our show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Ben. And Tim Lovell is strange indeed.